And here we go. Welcome and greetings and salutations, one and all. Welcome to episode number 81 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name, if you're just joining us for the first time, is Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am joined, of course, by my cunning co-host, who, uh... Why are you giving me an evil death stare already? Like you were expecting something. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, she covers her ears when things come up that she doesn't want to see. It is the Ironborn Lady of Comic-Cons and Warden of Geekdom. The ever-ebullient. <laughs> oh my god. Really? And effervescent Agent Nicole. Oh, that's very nice. You've expanded my, like, title. I, I, well, that's the title from, like, the first episode. Like, that's Was what you came really? up with for yourself. Lady of Comic-Cons and... Oh, well, yeah, Warden Lady of, of Comic-Cons, but, like, the other stuff you just added in there. What, the one who... the She covers her eyes? No, she covers that, her that, ears that when she doesn't want to see things? It's, like, from Archer. It's, like, cover my eyeballs. Ah, my earballs. Earballs, yeah, sorry. Ear yes, balls. but this was something... That's for loud noises. This was something you didn't want to see. I never want to see it. And you covered your ears. I don't know. Also joining us, uh, of course, as she... Uh, Frantically does things. I don't know. I was trying to come up with something on the fly, and I didn't. That uh, was an epic fail. Thank you, Patrick. It's uh, as she epic frantically and epically researches things that are good to talk about. She's got a cheeseburger on. That's, her phone. I'm on Facebook, dude. <laughs> frantically facebooking. It's. Uh, I'm texting my sister. It's. Uh, the lady who lives at my house asses von <laughs> Wow, asses von I do not get paid enough to be here. Oh, my God. You should have turned it into a compliment, Patrick. Uh, right? He just failed from the beginning. What? Like, your ass is always on my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's too late. Ew. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my Thank god. god, this is not a visual podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm nobody just... wants to see Patsy rubbing his nipples oh. over oh. his sweatshirt. Oh, that's what Nicole blocked her ears from. It's, yeah, oh. I didn't think it was that cold in here. Mm. It's Stop. not. Stop! Oh, and we've gone to blue. Oh, we go blue right away. Well, I got to make up for it. We had a PG-13 episode a couple episodes ago when we had Maddie Berg on to talk this about Kirby. This is true. Year, yeah, we had dirty. to be on our best behavior. Uh, so uh, we, we went an fire. entire episode. Like, that's the only episode that's not marked as explicit because we did not, like, be dirty and raunchy. But, you know, let's make but up But you know it. what we also weren't? Mainstream. We, we were, were not, not mainstream. mainstream. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's Ash's Von Nightmare, not asses. Ash's Von Nightmare. But uh, speaking of asses, uh, we have the Bootylicious one. <laughs> I know I haven't said that in a while, but that asses thing was a good segue. It's uh, the hardest working man in podcasting. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. And uh, I just uh, made my life a little harder by <laughs> restarting up my fantasy baseball podcast and adding a new podcast. So, <laughs> nice. so yeah, so I got a lot going on. I look forward to the uh, 
the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Now, a lot of folks out in the audience do fantasy baseball. Why don't you give us a quick uh, rundown of the uh, of the the Make sure fantasy you get baseball? All the bases. Yep, cover oh, all your bases. That's good, I like that. There you go. So yes, so we do uh, myself and uh, Doctor Joey Tron. We do the Outside Corner Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and. Uh, we give you lots of stats. We give you lots of player information. We get you ready for the draft. Uh, but we also do it. It's kind of like wrapped up in a candy coating of nonsense. So if we describe it sort of like the onion meets the league meets Sports Center. So we give you good info, but it's all just a little bit ridiculous. So you hear about Muppet hand jobs and. Whoa. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> I did enjoy your. Uh, I actually, yeah, independently from. I found out about the song afterwards, but you had the uh, Hakuna Mankata song? Um, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the Yoan Mankata song. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. My, my fantasy team was Hakuna Mankata. Yeah, we, I think we did that a couple, um, two years ago maybe, but... Um, yeah, there's all, all sorts of ridiculous that ha- ridiculousness that happens, and uh, we are now back. We had our first show drop on Sunday. We have our first base position preview dropping tomorrow, and we're, we're, we're doing two episodes a week during the offseason. We call it the Offseason Spectacular. So if you want to get ready for your fantasy baseball season, check out the Outside Corner Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's it's good stuff. And, uh, yeah. Yay, you have fantasy. A, a, you have a, yeah. Speaking of which, this this girl over here never, ever did fantasy football. I had to drag her tooth and nail, kicking and screaming, into a fantasy football league. Nicole, please tell the, the fine folks at home uh, where you finished. Number one. Yeah, number one overall. She lost her first two games and then won like 14 consecutive weeks. Yeah. She was 0-2. What would you finish? Like 13-2, and some shit well, like that? Regular season eleven and two, and then um, four and zero. Yeah, so fifteen and two. She won fifteen consecutive weeks. Yeah, so it came down to uh, Agent Nicole versus yours truly. Hashtag um, girl power for the Super Bowl, and guys, she kicked my ass. <laughs> and that's after she kicked my ass in the oh, week oh, before. Oh yeah, uh, it was. We were calling it divorce bowl, and I totally won. <laughs> totally won. Kick Patsy's ass all over the playoffs. It was and beautiful. I, had I was just loving it. Her a couple weeks earlier, for the first time ever. Every time we've matched up, she has beaten me. I will say I was a little disappointed. I had the number one overall pick. I had picked David Johnson. He went down week one with an, a season-long injury, so that did not help things. What was funny is um, I had Carson Wentz. Sorry, we're all going off topic, but hey, that's a, that's our show. But I had Aaron Rodgers, and then I switched to Carson Wentz, Ooh. and then I went back to Aaron Rodgers, yep. and then Aaron Rodgers decides, hey, I am done for the season, and then I had other quarterbacks yeah and you picked up Carson Wentz and Wentz was great well, I mean like whatever you down. did worked but fun fun fact like my first so this was my what second time doing fantasy football third no I think it was second because the first time I did it we had two leagues going or yeah so that's the, the third time well but it was my first okay well anyways my first time doing fantasy football mm-hmm. I also won the Super Bowl so maybe it's just beginner's luck like well, I want to thank the Super the Bowl. Folk, I want to thank the podcast ESPN Fantasy Football now with Field Yates, Stefania Bell, and Matthew Barry because they helped me. This girl, <laughs> instead of like doing work, 
Like, she would be on ESPN all day. No, that's not true. No. But she'd be like, oh, I have some downtime, and I'm going to eat my lunch. Oh, look, I'm just researching everything. Like, she was, like, so into it. I'm like, oh, you should start this guy. And she's like, no, according to Roto Grinders. uh... (laughs) No, I never used that website. And she was like, I I gave her some advice one week. I was like, this is what I would do because of this. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And... Had she listened to me, she would have gotten her ass kicked. So, yeah. So, I don't know what the hell Moral I'm story, don't, don't listen, listen to Patsy. To Patsy. <laughs> yeah, no, really don't. Just like everything else. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just, just fact of life. Just don't listen to Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from experience, just don't do it. Unless I'm on the podcast, then do listen to the podcast. Well, yeah, listen to the podcast. But, like, if he's giving you advice to do something, just do the complete opposite because let me tell you the weeks where I'm like oh I don't know if I should start this person or this person I'm really leaning towards this person he'd be like no start the other person I remember that you have so I started the other person and you know what the person that I had the gut feeling about the one I should have started yeah went on to score like many score points and like the guy he's like oh start this person yeah I did shit yeah but to be fair I stick by whoever I choose like I will like, when I do, like, the daily fantasy stuff, like, I'll play, like, the quarter games or the dime games. I'll start the guys that I say you should start. You know, I don't win any money, but, you know, at least I stand by my my choices. So not only do you make poor decisions, but we're poor. <laughs> You're losing our money. Well, I did uh, play Mega Millions uh, at the night of this recording, so by the time this airs, I may or may not be a millionaire, so you should be nice to me. Or not. Are you saying you're willing to buy my friendship? I would be willing to rent it. <laughs> you guys don't have a prenup, so hey. Yeah, no prenup, which is smart on her part, because she's the one with all the damn money. <laughs> rent with the option to buy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really what dating is. So... Can I trade you in for two 18-year-olds? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, she got pissed at me on my birthday. I said, Jesus, you know what the best thing about today is? And she's like, what? And she's like all happy because it's my birthday and she loves birthdays. I'm like, I can finally start dating somebody half my age. That did not go over. That well. is like Long the worst story thing short, Patsy did not get any sex on his birthday. So there we go. Uh, no, I d- did I? No, you didn't. Not after that comment. You did not. Self-sex doesn't count, Patsy. That's <laughs> true. If you draw lips on your right hand, it's still... Is that where my lipstick went? Yes. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> wow. It's really This hot. is definitely making up for that uh, non-explicit episode. <laughs> it's really hot when my left hand watches. Yeah. Is it like that episode of yeah. South Park? <laughs> my Stop. name is Jennifer Lopez. I like tacos y burritos. Yes, it's uh, very similar to that, only it's never Jennifer Lopez. What's her name, Patsy? Only occasionally Harvey Firestein. <laughs> David, <laughs> why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? So that actually ties in with a little bit with what we're talking about today, the character. Harvey um, Firestein, no, ladies and gentlemen. That's who we're talking about. <laughs> no, but the character we're talking about today, she's Jewish. She's from New York. So Patsy's sitting there and he's trying to do like... Um, like, like imitate her, uh, quote her in her voice, and uh, it comes out Harvey Fires. 
I was very aggressive <laughs> in my accent. I was like, you sound nothing like her. <laughs> David, why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? <laughs> oh, forget my lawyer. Oh my I don't know. That's that's about it. That's all I got for uh, Harvey Firestein. The only thing, uh, the only other thing I know. <laughs> the only other thing I know uh, that he was in was uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. No, I'm just uh, I I just happened to open Facebook and a, a friend Get of mine. Get off of Facebook. We're podcasting. Oh my god! Yeah, a friend of mine tagged me in a thing, and there's a quote above it. It says, "If you're good at something, never do it for free." And then there's a guy. Yeah, you could from far enough away, he could kind of look like me. He's a guy sitting at a table in a park, and he's got a sign that says, "I will argue with anyone about anything for a dollar." <laughs> and yeah, yeah, if you're good at something, never do it for free. You Although, should, well, we do this should, for free. It is. You should carry a sign that says uh, "Puns five cents." Ooh, yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't run into Chad Kroger, because he'll ask for his nickel back. Oh mm. uh, yeah. So what are we talking about today? Apparently, <laughs> like, home. drawing hands on your face and masturbating ew, ew, when you don't get laid stop. on your birthday. Just st- stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Nicole's got some great peripheral vision to see that. To those of you out there who are still listening, thank you so much. Yeah, we love you. you. Seriously. Oh, I can't wait till we do our live episode. Oh, that's going to be the best. When are we doing a live episode? Yeah. Uh... We already discussed this. No, we Except did not. we did not. Episode 100. Isn't that what we're doing? No, no we're not. Well, I am. Because <laughs> you, you, you can go on to That's Facebook Live and do your own little podcast blurb oh, all by yourself. Low. We're going to come down here. We're going to be. We got the HD camera. We got the mood lighting. I'm sorry. I am not. I am, I am not HD camera ready. Well, you can hide. I'll just be sitting there. <laughs> You can put a bag over your head. I'll be sitting here topless (laughs) with a couple of well-placed tassels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how we lose listeners. Let's not. You want to see me make them spin? No. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about a smidge of midge. That's right. The uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel that uh, just won a couple of uh, Golden Globes. Yeah, uh, Rachel Brosnahan, mm-hmm. uh, who plays uh, Miriam Maisel, the title character of the show, uh, just won for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical or whatever the rest of the yeah. category is. And the show itself won for Best New- sh- Comedy, yeah, yeah, best comedy Musical, musical show, show, whatever. To be fair, I don't think that the Golden Globes is aware of how to categorize movies because Get Out was also nominated for Best Comedy slash Musical. And it was hilarious, it and I loved the music numbers. Yeah, all those really funny songs. Yeah. Like, hey, you're in the sunken place. Hey, you're in the sunken place. Gonna have someone stealing your face while you are down in the sunken place. That was really good off the cuff. <laughs> I'm a little impressed. I'm glad to know what happens in the movie. Oh, nobody steals anyone's face. That's uh, another movie with uh, Nicolas Cage. Um, and John Tra- Oh, don't they play hockey? Um, um, the Wicker Man. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, clearly face off. I don't know why there's a slash in between them. Like, I don't. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, we're talking about uh, 
the uh, marvelous, magnificent, uh, maternal Miss Maisel. Um, now, for those of you who haven't seen the show, um, it's very well written. It's not just uh, Rachel Brosnahan that's in it. It's a very, uh, a very um, well-done period piece. It takes place in 1958-1959 in that general vicinity. Uh, there are some flashbacks that take place in like you know the mid fifties and early fifties, but um, it's got a very very uh, very Jewish uh, Tony Shalhoub. Like he's definitely a uh, a Jewish patriarch, like to the core in this in this uh, series. Um, same with Kevin Pollock, who I don't generally uh see in that type of role usually he's like a like a tough guy or uh you know he was good in um a few good men and usual suspects so like that's usually the type of role that you know i'm used to seeing him in and tony shalhoub obviously does a lot of comedy so he's kind of in his element here um and uh, alex borstein who if you are unfamiliar with uh with Alex Borstein, she does the voice of Lois Griffin. She was on Mad TV for a while. But I think, you know, obviously the star is Rachel Brosnahan, who I think I described as a mixture uh, as far as how she looks. She looks like, what did I say? I said Katy Perry, Zoe Deschanel, and... Um, oh, I can think of her name, but... Alexis B. No. Um, Liddell, no. No, uh, Nick and Nora's playlist, um, she was in... Two broke girls. Oh, um, um, why can't I think of her name? Kat uh, Denning. Yes, Kat Denning. Oh my god, it was like the tip like of her my face. Like she looks like a combination of the three of them. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to get more into that uh, in a little while after we come back from our break. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk a little bit about some of our favorite comedians. Now Nicole uh, says she t- didn't say to make a top five list, but I'm pretty sure she said to make a top five list. I didn't make... That was for our next... Um, getting into character question for next week's episode. Uh, well, I mean, I like, I have, I have a list. I have a list, too. Could, I have a it list. It could be five people. I don't know. I just... We're going to throw it out there. But, I wrote uh, top five comedians and proceeded to write six names. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Patsy can follow directions. Well, you know, there has to be... He makes, a, a, uh, he makes up his own rules and then can't even follow directions. <laughs> there then, has to be <laughs> an honorable mention because one of these names... Uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know that there is a comedian who had a significant impact on my life when I was younger who hasn't exactly uh, covered himself in glory over the past couple of years. So do we want to do we want to how many guys do you guys have? Well, I don't have a list. I was just going to go off the top of my head. Yes. Oh, see, I wrote stuff down. So one at least one of us is organized, which is weird because it's me. But um, why don't you go first? I'm going to go first. I'm going to start with my honorable mention because my honorable mention, I've already teased it. Uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, Bill Cosby, despite being a, a massive, massive scumbag, uh he is, you know, I'm very conflicted about him because he is one of the funniest people ever. Um, but, you know, a lot of his legacy is tarnished because of what a massive scumbag he is. And it's unfortunate because, like, I really want to still enjoy his stuff. And, you know, so much of this, especially his his entire uh, 
Bill Cosby himself routine, you know, meant so much. You know, it was constantly quoted in my house, not just by me and my brothers, but my uncles. Like, even when we had no idea what the hell we were talking about, you know, it was still quoted and talked about. So <clears throat> I had to put him on my list. But, um, you know, in no particular order, I would say my my top five would be George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Louis Black, Stephen Wright, and Mitch Hedberg, because each one of them had their own unique style. Um, and unfortunately, of those guys, uh, just uh, Stephen Wright and Louis Black are still around. Obviously, Cosby's still around. But uh, you know, Richard Pryor passed away. You know, Mitch Hedberg, George Carlin, at least with Carlin and Pryor, they were older. You know, they had they had lived their lives. Mitch Hedberg, unfortunately, was, you know, a young comedian who, you know, I believe he died of a drug overdose. <clears throat> but he had some of the, like, the funniest, like, one-liner things. You know, and I actually used one of his uh, jokes when I was at Rhode Island Comic Con this year. Somebody was complaining that the escalator wasn't working. And I said, an escalator can never be broken. It can only be stairs. Sorry for the convenience. You know, obviously, George Carlin has, you know... 40, 50 years worth of, of material to go on. And a lot of people don't realize that he was uh, Mr. Conductor on Thomas the Tank Engine, so, which I thought was always hilarious. Cause like, Wait, what? George Carlin was Mr. Conductor on the Thomas the Tank Engine TV show. I had no... I mean, maybe because I really didn't watch it. Like, I babysat I kids who watched it, but I never really paid attention to it. But... Wow, I I had no idea. Me either. He actually uses that in one of his uh, routines. He talks about how kids are no different from adults. You know, they're like no, kids are no different from any other group of people. Couple of winners, a whole lot of losers. Because he was complaining that there's too much safety today. He's like, when I was a kid, the kid who ate too many marbles didn't get to grow up and have kids of his own. Like that's just natural selection. And he's like, you know, I know what I'm talking about. This is Mr. Conductor here. You know, so I thought it was kind of funny that he was in a children's show and he's one of the most foul-mouthed individuals that you could ever come across. It's like Bob Saget. Yeah. Bob Saget, you know, doing the America's Funniest Home Videos as well as Full House and the uh, narration in How I Met Your Mother. Correct. Which is weird. So it's like Ted grows up to be Bob Saget, which I don't understand. Yeah. At least in the Wonder Years, it made sense. You know, Fred Savage grows up to be Daniel Stern. But who is in Chud, by the way? Um, so, Agent Nicole, what do you what do you got um, for your? I already know one of yours. Okay, um, so I have a just a long list of um, comedians. Uh, I have a huge love for British comedians, like. Go figure. Um, some British comedians that people should definitely look into. They have a lot of Netflix specials. Jack Whitehall, Russell Howard, Jimmy Carr, Richard Arwardy. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, to get, like, there's a show that happens every year in England called... Um, the Big Fat Quiz. The Big Fat Quiz. I which, love it. Which... Um, I just can, watched this year, or should yeah. say last year yeah. recently, and oh my goodness. It was great. Um Noah also, Fielding Noah and Fielding, Richard, yeah. Richard Arwardy are in it. Jimmy yes. Carr is the one who hosts it, which is really funny because 
I li- watched uh, Jimmy Carr's Netflix special. He is fucking crude and dirty, and he sounds like a seal when he laughs. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, <clears throat> Rowan Atkinson, of course. Um, I Never heard of him. Steve Martin uh, for females. Um, Melin- uh, Randa Hart, who was in Spy. She's been in a lot of um, television shows, but she's really kind of growing into a wonderful comedian up all over the place and Lucille Ball and uh, Glinda Radner, who was in Saturday Night Live. She's wonderful. Oh, Gilda. Yeah, Gilda. Mrs. Mrs. Gene Wilder. Yep, yep. correct. <clears throat> yeah, so just a lot of wonderful people. How about you, Ashley? No, uh, no Julian Barrett on there? Oh, and John John Mulaney. I was gonna say, like that was gonna be <laughs> like the first guy. Like you, went I to just see forgot. Him. I just went to see him. Yeah, no, I forgot. Clearly, wow. a lasting he, impression by he Mr. Mulaney. Is, like in there, he's on my list. How did I? Anyways, but yeah, uh, John Mulaney. Who I know a lot of people. Some people don't like him. I don't uh, like him. I, I don't know think you he's don't funny. like. Well, you. That's you know, fine. You don't have to have the same opinions yeah. as me. Um, for me, it's just he. Oh, are you done? God, are you done? I don't have time for this shit. I'm never done. So I really like John Mulaney. Um, he has two comedy specials on Netflix. He's he really kind of speaks to a lot of the younger generations, but you know he he he's all over the place. I recently saw him and he was just wonderful. Anyways, Ashes. So. I have this thing. I don't really like comedians. I don't like people who stand up there and try to be funny. I find most comedians to be not funny at all. Um, Like Dave Chappelle. Can't stand him. I know that's an unpopular opinion. And sorry, not sorry. I just, I don't find him funny. Um, You know, I've tried to get into his stuff. Even um, like Chris Rock. I don't find him that funny. Um, You know, again, I know an unpopular opinion. Uh, Jim Carrey cannot stand him. I will not watch. She hates Jim Carrey. I will not watch a Jim Carrey movie. Like, I just, I I can't stand him. Um, I want to punch him in his face. Uh, I'm sure he's a lovely person. Alrighty then. But I just can't stand people who sit there and really, like, try to be funny. However, I appreciate people who are funny and people who like it just kind of comes naturally i enjoy people who tell a story storytellers and these these stories just happen to be really funny and these people are really good at telling these stories and some of these people are just absolutely bonkers um so a couple of comedians that we've actually seen um one being Jim Gaffigan. I took Patsy to mm-hmm. see him a few years ago for Patsy's birthday. And it was and fucking amazing. He's The Mr. Universe tour. Like, he's just on stage telling stories about his life and his his oh, family and his kids and you know, just him being fat and white and pasty and you know hearkening on on stories from his childhood and and you got me two of the uh the books yeah Food and uh dad is fat yeah, um, you know, he just gets on and he just kind of like, I like people who kind of make fun of themselves as well, because if you can't make fun of yourself, how the hell are you going to make fun of somebody else? Um, you know, I I think he's funny and I like his stand up. Um, 
Noel Fielding is another one oh. that the three of us actually went to mm-hmm. see. I'm a huge fan of the Mighty Boosh. Um, that's a that's I a love, show for later on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's on we, Hulu now. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have we all have the of entire the series series on on DVD. Um, but we had the opportunity to go see Noel Fielding, and he is just he is so creative and just so weird, and I love it. And he's colorful and he's theatrical. And he puts a lot of like he tells stories, but they're like these really weird stories that he's written himself. And I can't explain it. Um, if you haven't been exposed to Noel Fielding, what the hell are you doing with your life? Um, and the way he plays off of Julian Barrett and Rich Fulcher, and yeah. Rich Fulcher comes with him on his tours. Yeah, well, and his brother too. Like, oh yeah, he, Michael, Michael Michael Bush, Michael Fielding, Bush. <laughs> but even with no fielding and Richard Arwardy, like those two are, they're like biffles. Well, well they, they're calling it the, like um, what's his name? Russell Brand. In yeah, the yeah, they are the goth detectives. <laughs> yeah, <the goth> <laughs> <laughs> that's He's king of the mods. <laughs> we are the goth detectives. Um, no, it's it's funny uh, that you mentioned that in the. I don't want to give too much away, but the quiz this year was just brilliant. <laughs> like, and um, at one point, they were making fun of each other's like team names. And Noel Fielding is wearing a cape, yeah, and this hat. And Jimmy Carr was calling him Gandalf and the Professor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that should have been your team name, Gandalf and the Professor. And he also looked like he could have been the podium too. Which um which, which he he does yeah. he, he decides that he's going to be the podium for Jimmy Carr for a brief moment um but I think he's just hilarious he's absolutely bonkers and yeah we got by him we gave, he shot us dirty looks and I loved it yeah he that was wearing literally a, happened he was wearing a gizmo shirt <laughs> it was great um and uh, I love uh, Sarah Silverman I think mm-hmm. is hilarious because she's so raunchy and you know there's still kind of this this stigma out there it's not as bad as it used to be and we'll kind of talk about that when we go into our character discussion but there's there's still kind of the stigma that you know females can't be funny or if they are funny they have to be like cutesy kind of funny like like women can't be raunchy clearly those people never listen to lisa lampanelli and you know sarah silverman is and she gets up there and she tells these stories and she's she's cringeworthy and hilarious um two of my favorites uh one being kathy griffin Mm -hmm. i love kathy griffin oh my god like i can't put into words how much i love her um i used to watch her her all of her specials uh she hasn't had one in a while she used to have this show yeah. on E! called My Life on the D-List where yeah. she pretty much just poked fun at herself and her life. She even got her mom involved, uh, Maggie, who drinks a lot of wine and she tips it because you have to tip the box when the box is getting empty. Mm-hmm. So you, you you tip it and that turned into this whole thing. Um, I think she is hilarious. She's so animated when she gets on stage and she tells all of these stories because she finds herself in all of these different like predicaments with these celebrities and stuff. And she's just not afraid to 
get in there and put herself out there and make an ass of herself. (laughs) And I love that. And my number one, and I don't think anyone will ever displace her, is Joan Rivers. I love Joan Rivers. She broke the mold when it came to female comedians. And um, she's heavily influenced in this character that we're going to be. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I, I watching this character, I, at times I thought I'm like, Oh my God, she's like Joan Rivers. Like, you know, not only with the Jewish thing, you know, the New York thing, but you know, the heavy accent, um, the just ballsy out there. Uh, I have something to say and you're going to listen and I'm going to make you laugh. Um, I love her so much. And, I'm so sad that she's no longer with us because unfortunately I did not have the opportunity to go see her and I would have loved to have had that, you know, been able to do that. So yeah, Joan Rivers. I have to add a couple of... Oh, and uh, I love her collection on QVC too. I have to add a couple of uh, honorable mentions before we uh, go to break because I, I I didn't know we were just going to like do a whole... I thought there was like a limit. Uh, Sam Kennison. Uh Fucking phenomenal. Like, Sam Kinison was just amazing. Jim Gaffigan, obviously. And if you're not sure who Jim Gaffigan is, uh, he was the guy from Super Troopers. He was like, <laughs> are you saying meow? He was also the guy in the old Mountain Dew commercial who had the beard comb over. Um, I have a layer of blubber to keep me warm in the water. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Sorry. It was from uh, uh, Dr. Katz when he was on. Yep. And that was uh, one of, like... One of our favorite segments. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And Jim Gaffigan was amazing live. Um, <clears throat> uh, Harry Anderson, who was uh, on Night Court and was also uh, Richie Tozier in the 1998 uh, film. He was a great stand-up comedian. Like, he had some great shit that he did, um, especially live. Uh, Don Rickles. Don Rickles was funny as hell. Um you know, there's just we could just sit here all day and name these guys, but I think with that being said, we're gonna go ahead and we are going to take ourselves a quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna get into a little more uh, talk about the marvelous Miss Maisel. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags. 
Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunches.com. And we're back, and we're sexy. So we're so glad that you you continued to join with us. And uh, Agent Nicole, you feeling sexy? No, I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Agent Nicole knows what's up. So uh, we're here. We're feeling sexy. And uh, no, we're not. My nose is running. <laughs> I've been clapping up a lot too. I never understood that. Your nose run, but your feet smell. How does that work? That seems counterintuitive. It should be the other way around. Like, oh, my feet are running. My nose smells. You know what's really tough to know accurately what your nose smells like? It's true. The I same way it's uh, really difficult to accurately describe the performance of a vacuum. Like, if you say it sucks, is that good or is that bad? Boop. <laughs> So I just mean. booped your nose, but I think I did <laughs> it too just hard. Booped up my nose, like you just stuck your finger up my nose. I was looking for some You know, like you want to say you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. That's you can't pick false. Your nose look at, oh, oh my god. god, look it. It looks like Abe Lincoln. You are really need to be put okay, on. Time what are we out. talking about today? We are talking about Midge. She is a fantabulous character that. Um, this is a show that you watched a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, because um, you had just watched it on the snow day that we had last week, yeah. here in the bomb cyclone, yeah. Snowcano Kane Mageddonado. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your nose. God damn it, you're such an asshole sometimes. <laughs> I was just trying to give you a little boop. Yeah, up my fucking nose. I think you just pierced it again. Thank you. <laughs> Here, let's make this side match the other. Boop. I do that to Nicole all the time. She loves it. Look at that look. That's a look of love. Okay, so we're talking about Midge Maisel, Miriam Midge Maisel from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, the Amazon show that dropped in 2017 that recently won a couple of awards at the Golden Globes. Uh, I watched it first, and I fucking loved it. I thought this character was brilliant. If you recall uh, from last episode, I actually put her on my top characters from 2017 because I thought she was just phenomenal. This character is so well developed and well written and I'm in love. I cannot wait for season two and there will be a season two because apparently when um, it was picked up by Amazon uh, earlier last, last year, 
That's so weird to say 2017 was last year. When it was picked up early last year, they actually picked it up for two seasons. So there will definitely be a season two. But I think that if the show continues to go down this direction, if it continues to have the brilliant writing that it has, the character development, I love, excuse me, I love Alex Borstein as Susie. Um... Uh, Midge's uh, manager. That's a lot of M's right there. Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> a lot of uh, alliteration. Um, I, I think that the show is going to continue for for many, many seasons because they can go in so many di- different directions with this. Um, the show takes place in New York City. It's 1958. I love the kind of like timescape and landscape that they create with this because right smack dab in the middle of a lot of these women's movements going on. And I love kind of like period pieces um, where you kind of get this quarrel, like this inner quarrel with these characters, these female characters who, you know, they're kind of, they have what they're supposed to be. This is how they were raised. This is how their mothers were raised. Their grandmothers were were raised. And that inner quarrel to be the lady that they're supposed to be and the woman that they long to be and kind of breaking that mold and stepping out and reclaiming what is theirs. And I love that. So um, I think to start off with, we should go around the room and just kind of talk about uh, first impressions of the show, of the character, and then we'll go more into our character discussion of Midge Maisel. So, Agent Nicole, what did you think? I loved it. I I've had heard a lot of great things. I had actually forgot about the series until we had our episodes about top five characters that we really liked of 2017 and you brought it up and Rachel um, Brosnahan is just phenomenal as Midge. Um, For me, I love that time period, especially between 1940s to the 60s and especially with a lot of the female movements and um, around that time where women are starting to branch away from being housewives into independent workers, independent female females around that time period um, I just, I just loved it. I, I was kind of hesitant if I wasn't going to like it, but within probably five minutes of the show of watching the show, I was just instantly hooked aesthetically. Um, the, and the material, mm-hmm. I was really surprised that the, um, the creator of the show, Amy Sherman, um, Palladino, had written Gilmore Girls and I was kind of not into Gilmore Girls. I like tried to um, get into it during my high school years and I just, I couldn't, it just felt like, I know Ashes and I, we talked about, it just felt forced. It just felt like I was being force fed this, this drama, this comedy and for them to, after so many years of having it kind of being on like the back burner, trying to get it produced and trying to get it, Um, to where it is now it just it's so well done and I'm just kind of shocked at how you know some people their work like their line of work changes and like my opinion has definitely changed for Amy Sherman Palladino with um the marvelous Miss Mrs. Maisel so um yeah I really enjoyed it and I'm really looking forward to what season two will bring and I just 
the cast is so like the cast is phenomenal they all work off of one another which really makes great television and and from amazon i know amazon lately has been trying to compete with like netflix and hulu and with this it's just they're definitely in the competition so yeah see i think um see i'm looking at it as from a different point of view because you know you guys are you both obviously both ladies so I'm coming at it from a different point of view because this is like, to me, the way I'm looking at it is I look at today's society and I think, have we regressed 60 years? Because what I see today is exactly what I'm seeing, you know, in the show that takes place in the late 50s. It's like, oh, well, you got to make sure you have three kids by the time you're 30. Oh, you got to make sure that you, you know, I, I watch, you know, um, you know, she goes to bed. You know, she lays down next to her husband. Her husband falls asleep. She gets up. She puts her hair up in curlers, puts on her, like, you know, makeup and, you know, her, her whatever cream. cream she's doing. You know, I don't know what the products are. Yeah, it's like she just doesn't go to bed. Like, her husband is asleep and she wakes up, like, like doesn't fall asleep. He's sleeping. She gets up and that's when, you know, she takes her makeup off and she puts her hair up in the curlers and she puts on the wrinkle cream. And then, you know, so she's looking, I mean, you know, for lack of better term, a hot mess. Um, and then goes to bed. But before she goes to bed, she, she lifts moves the, the shade, shade up, up. So the sunlight will shine directly in her eyes to wake her up before mm-hmm. the alarm goes off so she can get up Take her hair out of the curlers, wash the stuff off, put her makeup on. So it's like, oh, this is how I look all I the time. I woke up like this. No, that's not real life. Like, you know, and then measuring her, like, she has a notebook where she takes down, like, all her measurements. Like, oh, my ankles. Oh, and my my legs, you know. And, like, they're complaining that the daughter, like, her daughter, you know, has, oh, her your forehead's not perfectly proportionate. It's like, Jesus Christ, like, what is this shit? Okay, so we're, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. So she she definitely falls into, we'll say the social norms of what is expected of women from this time, especially, um, you know, from where she's coming from. She lives on the Upper West Side. She has a very nice apartment. She had a very nice wedding. You know, she lives right downstairs from her parents so her parents can watch the kids she has kind of a cushy life she's happy she's happily married or at least she thinks she's happily married um and everything's fine and that's how we we meet her we see her you know but but there's this kind of like inner tenacity she's feisty and uh we see that because one of the first scenes that you see is her her at her wedding and, you know, it's this beautiful day and everything is perfect. And she feels the need that she needs to get up and give a toast at her own wedding. And she tells this really funny story about how she and her husband, Joel, met and kind of like some of their their escapades, their rendezvous, um, how they were a little naughty before they got <laughs> married, you know. And she's just so you see right away that she's. A, not only a really good storyteller, but she's got something. Like there's something there. Like she, she's that that it factor that you see. She's got it, and everyone's laughing. And then to kind of stick it to people, because you know this is where the feistiness comes in. She tells everyone, "Oh, and by the way, there were shrimp in the egg rolls." And of course, everyone's all up in arms because apparently, like that's a Jewish thing. You can't eat fish. And then it's, there's uh, like an in art. Leviticus. 
there there's like an argument thing so um the rabbi like shuns them so when it comes to present day uh she's yeah four years later she's going around she's getting everything ready for yom kippur and she's telling everybody oh we got the rabbi we got the rabbi because apparently they finally after like four years made amends with the rabbi uh you know so they're now back in like the church's good graces and stuff whatever like it's it's an important distinction okay well they're back into the religious places people's good graces anyway and so she spends her day, she's getting everything ready for Yom Kippur. She's doing what every good little housewife is supposed to do in the late 1950s. And she comes home, she tends to the kids, she makes a brisket for her husband to take to the gaslight, which is this coffee shop that he moonlights at. Because apparently we find out that her husband, Joel, wants to be a comedian. Like that's his life goal outside of whatever he's doing for his full-time job. He wants to be a comedian. So she is this supportive wife. She keeps a notebook of all of the laughs that he gets and this joke stuck this joke didn't stick this is this that is that um here's how you can improve on this right you know this so she, how she's like laughs you got while you're telling that joke right like she's the epitome of, of like a team player and and you know just just really stand by your man and really supportive and he decides to leave her after one bad night after one bad night he had one bad night at the club where his jokes just just it just wasn't sticking they just weren't sticking they weren't landing he, he just he just bombed which apparently that happens you know you have good nights and you have bad nights well and- he tried using a joke because his sweater had holes in it and she's like oh that was ted the moth oh right yeah this is after um finding out that uh a lot of his stuff that was receiving laughs was um he stole it from bob newhart, the bob newhart show well no just bob newhart Oh, because okay. in the fifties, it was he didn't have a show yet. Uh, well, uh, okay. it was a comedy album that oh. he had put out. Okay, so he stole his stuff from Bob Newhart, and that's what was getting all the laughs. So he tried to steal some of what Midge had said earlier. She gives him his sweater. His sweater has holes in it. He's like, "What am I supposed to do with a sweater that's holes in it?" She's like, "Oh, just tell him it was moths." And he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Ted the moth." Dime you know, size holes. That's his signature. Yeah, you know. Um. So you see right away that even her banter. Is, is witty and and funny and he tries to use it and it just doesn't land it just doesn't he just can't do it he doesn't have the right timing and so that night he decides that he's gonna pack up her suitcase that's a big thing too he packs up his wife's suitcase with his own shit and he leaves and she could have wallowed in pity she could have you know been completely devastated which I mean, in a way, she she was, but um, she just kind of picked herself up and and was like, okay, this is my life now. What am I gonna do? Yeah. And throughout the series, you see her character go from okay, I'm this wife, I'm a mother, I have everything financially 
taken care of supposedly for well yes allegedly um spoiler not so much uh, the parentals get involved um but you know she's taken care of and she has to start taking care of herself which she's capable of doing and she kind of finds her inner strength throughout the throughout the series of the first season um but she also finds that she kind of has a hidden talent which really isn't so hidden because like i said you see it from from square one the first moment that you you meet her you see her on screen uh she is funny she's a funny girl and after her husband leaves her she decides to break out the Manischewitz that is for Yom Kippur and she's like fuck it I'm getting drunk and she does well there's a, the, you have to add in the context of what's going on like Yom Kippur is not just like oh hey we're having people over it's her table is set for 30 fucking people yes yeah it's not both just like- families all the kids the relatives and the fucking rabbi which is like a huge deal because apparently you fast before Yom Kippur and now the rabbi is coming to break his... It's like a huge, huge thing. You know, like this is a very important thing. And she's like telling him this as he's getting ready to leave and packing her suitcase. She's like, but we have the rabbi. It's like, I, I got, I have to leave. And she's like, but it's in the morning. Like it's a few hours from now. It's like, I, I, I just, I have to go. It's like, but, and she's like, what do I do? What do I have to do? What can I do? How can I change? And it's just like... No, it's uh, I. I have to go. I have to leave. And she's like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah. And then he tells her that he's been cheating on her with his secretary, Penny Pan, uh, who doesn't that, that, know how to sharpen a pencil. Who doesn't know how to sharpen a pencil? Apparently, it was an electric pencil sharpener, and that's a new contraption. But still, she can't sharpen a fucking pencil. Apparently, she can't even put her shirt on correctly. Um, but yeah, so she is just completely just. F- blindsided by all of this and so she grabs the wine off the table she pops it open and decides that she is going to go to the gaslight where joel bombed that perpetuated this whole leaving event um just because she forgot her um oh well well, yeah the pirate so so um yeah she Baked a brisket. I don't know if you bake a brisket. You cook a brisket, bake a brisket. I don't know. I don't do brisket. Um, anyway, she, she made a brisket and <laughs> she brought it to the gaslight earlier that evening uh, to try to persuade whoever was in charge to give her husband a better time. I believe his time was like at 145 yeah. or something like that because what you would have to do is you would have to go down earlier in the day. And it was kind of like an open call. Mm-hmm. So the earlier you, you got there, the better set time you had. And he did not have a great set time. And on yeah, days one, when he... one thirty in the morning, yeah. Yeah, and on days when he did not have a great set time, uh, she would go down brisket in hand uh, or latkes or whatever else she had made and try to bribe her way to getting her husband a better set time uh so that's what she had done and she was oh yeah she left her pyrex there yeah so she goes back pyrex to, is awesome and pyrex yeah i still have some of my mother's grandmother's 
Pyrex dishes from like the 50s. Those things don't break. They're amazing. Um, But she goes down to the gaslight where her husband had just performed hours prior, hours previously um, before deciding to leave her. She is completely obliterated and she is pissed that she does not have her Pyrex. So she goes down in search of her Pyrex. She notices that there are a few people in the club at that point. I mean, granted, this is probably like one, two o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, And she just decides that she's going to wander up on stage. She didn't realize she was on stage, though, and she was kind of oblivious to the fact that there was a crowd behind her. And she just kind of gets up there and she's like, so this is it, huh? Like, this is what you left me for, Joel. Like, this is this. What's the big deal? And the people up there think that, you know, the audience thinks that she's putting on an act and they're like, you got to turn around. We're, 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 you know, right here. And so she gets up there and she grabs the microphone and she just starts telling a story. Yeah. And it catches the eye of Susie, who is one of the managers of the Gaslight. And thus begins a beautiful friendship for the uh, the two of them. It also opens up a bit of a plot point that may become relevant later on because she gets arrested for saying bad words and simulating a sex act. And showing off her breasts. Which, yeah, because Penny Pan certainly doesn't have tits like these. <laughs> which, um, at that time, a little bit of history, Lenny Bruce was becoming hot and big around that time for you know, obscenity, and he... He was the first one to start swearing. Yeah, first one to start swearing, you know, first one to talk about things that happen in bed, like... Wait, is Lenny Bruce a real guy? Yeah, yeah he's a Lenny real Bruce, Oh my God, I had no idea. Lenny yeah. Bruce is the guy who inspired George Carlin and, and Richard Pryor. And there is a relationship, like, the relationship between Midge and Lenny Bruce in the show uh, mirrors the same relationship Joan Rivers and Lenny Bruce had like he's the one who really oh helps her. Oh my god! Her. So she really is. I thought you knew Lenny Bruce she was a real so dude. She really is almost like Joan thought, Rivers. Oh my god! No, I had no idea. What was funny was I had to fact check because um, I thought the show was in the sixties, and at the time he was having a divorce and he was with his wife in the movie. I was like, wait a minute, he was like divorced around the sixties, and then I realized the show was in nineteen fifty-eight. But anyways, yeah, no, it really like Lenny Bruce, like the actor who plays Lenny Bruce on the sh- on the show is phenomenal and like looks just like Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. And like that relationship that he has with Midge kind of, you know, a- aspiring to become a comedian and like how to, you know, go in and, you know, be yourself and it's okay to sh- you know move on and be obscene and express yourself like that's the same that way that Joan Rivers like he kind of like like advises her to go that way so it's it's really funny and I really enjoyed it and um now I like totally forgot what I was gonna say but you know Midge her character is influenced by um uh, Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers like you see a lot of that in the show like Joan Rivers used to take a lot of notes of her jokes and time herself and record herself and study herself to get better where you see that in throughout the series with Midge where she is taking notes she's going to different um, comedy acts to see how they're doing how she's learning 
the ropes of the business of becoming a comedian with Susie. And that's very similar to the same life and beginnings of Joan Rivers as she becomes a comedian in the 1950s and 60s around that time. And she's, um, she's getting to the point where she's, you know, testing out, you know, as we see in later episodes, she's kind of testing out stories like, oh, let me tell this story this way. And then, you know, they show her telling it, you know, three different ways, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to see like, you know, like inflection here, pause here, you know, change the way the story ends just a little bit each time as she is the the story about her parents pushing the beds together. Um, And you just get like you see how she evolves but then, you know, she has that uh, run-in with um, Sophie... Sophie Lennon. Sophie Lennon. And she sees, like, you know, the real reality of, like, what this business is. Yeah. You know, like, she can't... And Sophie Lennon is uh, Jane Lynch. Yes. Um, you know, and she's, like, this big, fat, you know, like, you know, foul-mouthed woman from Queens and... And then she's like, oh, come to my house, you know, because, you know, the, they have connections between everyone. And yeah, she, she goes wants to, to like, her. take her under her wing. Yeah. Pretty much. Because like, she's you supposed know, you to open, open for, for me, yes. um, you know. And throughout this time, like, Midge is not performing under her real name. Changes she comes like up. She's time. Fanny Bryce. She ultimately settles with Amanda Gleason, which everyone's like, wow, that's the most beige name ever. Yeah. Um, like fucking Amanda Gleason. Like, okay. Uh, I'm sorry if anybody out there is named Amanda Gleason. <laughs> no offense. You're beige, um, my friend's name is Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's uh, the worst she- name I ever heard. Hi, Joey Jojo. Um, so she's telling real stories you know uh, real things that have happened to her but under under a fake name and then she meets sophie lennon and sophie lennon's great she's funny she's this powerhouse so we think and then she goes to sophie lennon's house and then realizes that this person is not who's on stage at all this person is horrible yeah she's an aristocrat and all she's that she's super snooty it's like oh i'm eating a little bit of a lemon oh you took a cookie and ate it yeah How quaint she <laughs> was she was chastising midge for eating a couple of macaroons like apparently Taking there was one sp- bite yeah apparently they were supposed to be there for like decoration or something and midge is like well you invited me over for lunch like we're eating right here's some tea and then she sucked on a lemon wedge and she didn't even eat it she sucked on it and put it down she's like oh you ate a cookie right and then it just kind of uh Mitch becomes disenchanted a little bit. Yeah, she gives um, her a fucking fur coat. And yeah. She's like, oh, how do I return this? It's like, oh, she's worn it twice already. It's yours. It's like, she's worn it twice? Like, that's insane. Like, what, <laughs> you just really, get rid of a coat? Well, before she meets Sophie Lennon, we see her, you know, she, you know, she gets a hot start uh, under the influence between alcohol and marijuana and like she's realizing oh is this where i have to be like this is what i have to be become a comedian i have to be under the influence and then she tries to be funny on her own and she bombs because she you know she's not getting the right timing and she's she bombed twice and she realized maybe this isn't what i want to do and you see her she's already going off trying to support herself support her family so that 
she can have a comfortable life with her children because she has dreams for them to go to private school and to be successful. And, you know, it's a big turning point for Mitch because she has that desire to become a comedian. But like after the bombing of her couple of acts, she has it's the same with Joel, you know, they break away, they distance themselves from who they are and just, you know, give up and try to do something else. And then she realizes maybe she needs to regain momentum again, doing small storytelling at parties. And then she meets Sophie Lennon, who really kind of gives her the other side of what it it, it is behind closed doors. Which... See, I took that slightly differently. I think seeing the Sophie Lennon thing kind of reminded her. I mean, she's from a well-off Jewish family. Like, you saw the size of her house, and you see how her friend uh, Susie reacts to seeing her house, or her apartment. It's like two floors. It's massive. She has, you know, a, a, a live-in maid, whereas, you know, Susie lives in a tiny apartment, you know, with no bathroom and a Murphy bed that blocks the door. And she sees it, and it's like, maybe I need to get back to my roots and back to who I am because I can't pretend to be someone else because that's exactly what Sophie Lennon's doing. Yeah. So I think maybe it's a bit of uh, it's a bit of that as well. That's what I read into it. I mean, there's different interpretations of seeing it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely see it your way, but I also see it where, you know, she's trying to bounce back after being crushed, and then she sees all this you know, all this stuff that's happening and, you know, she's realizing maybe, you know, after her, her performance at the gaslight, which went off where she basically trashed the shit out of Sophie Lennon and was basically kind of banned from the gaslight. Yeah. She was blacklisted from everywhere, everywhere as Amanda Gleason. She realized maybe, you know, this is, this is where I really need to change. Right. Go back to what I was. Yeah. Cause the way I looked at it, like she reacted to Sophie Lennon's way of life mm-hmm. the same way Susie reacted to her way of life. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah, I'm wealthy, I'm well off, everything's going great for me, but, like, this is ridiculous. Like, this guy, you know, like, the, the line where Sophie, like, just talks to, you know, mentions her her butler's name, and he's like, yes, madam. She goes, see, that's what you gotta go for, or whatever, like, you know, something like that. And it's like, that's... Like, that's what you do comedy for? And she's like, oh, you just look pretty. Everyone asks her, what's the first thing they ask about her every single time? Does she sing? Does she sing? That's the first thing because it's like, oh, you're a woman? A woman can tell jokes? What is this? And everyone says, you know, pretty much has this at least you're pretty kind of attitude. Yeah. You know, like, Even well, Sophie Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you're funny, at least you're pretty. But here's the thing about Midge. She doesn't really want to be pretty at this point. Like, she kind of... Um, I don't. She doesn't let herself go, but she definitely lets her hair down a little bit more towards the end. She's not as rigid about keeping up with certain things that she did while her husband was around. She takes more time for herself, for herself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, there's a scene where her, her, Joel, it's it's her kid's birthday, and he's kind of pointing out the fact that she's eating, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm hungry." 
<laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, oh, are you hungover? She's like, yeah, and I'm hungry. You know, yeah, kind of like overeating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just like, I'm starving. She makes extra macaroni and cheese because she was, you know, hungover and cooking and decided that she was going to eat. So she ate, you know, she kind of slowly distanced herself like she's becoming the person that she I don't know wants if she to cooked be. It. I don't know if she cooked it. Well, well, regardless. Well, I was going to say, they have a fucking carousel put up in the apartment. Like... That's not that they were someplace else. Yeah, they were were someplace else. I thought they were in their apartment. No, No. they were someplace else. That's crazy But anyways, um, yeah, they were at some, like, amusement park-looking type thing. Um, But anyways, like, so she's kind of slowly becoming this different person. And you see it in her interactions with with her ex-husband, Joel, with her parents... And with Susie and all throughout her journey, Susie just wants her to be herself. Yeah. You know, she's trying to come up with these pseudonym names, you know, like I'm going to be. And she even says person. nom de plume. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and Susie's like, I like Miriam. Miriam Maisel is good. Yeah. Maisel's good. You know, like just your name is good. You are good. You are good like it's almost like she felt like she had to become somebody else mm-hmm. in order to be good and that's one of the oh the end of this this season is just so satisfying because everything kind of comes full circle for her uh she gets lenny bruce to introduce her at the gaslight but he doesn't introduce her because he's not sure what name she's gonna go by she can't go by amanda gleason anymore because amanda gleason's been blacklisted so they got lenny bruce to headline quote unquote at the gaslight which is like why would he headline there when he can get larger gigs but he was doing it as a favor to midge for bailing him out of jail a couple of times um and he introduces her well just says you know the next lady coming up and she gets up there and she just kills it and she's made up beautifully she's wearing black which is actually pointed out earlier in the season that divorcees wear black so i love the fact that she shows up wearing this black cocktail dress at their weird yoga class (laughs) no she doesn't show up wearing the black dress at their yoga class no 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 that's when they they um when they um thank you add no when they mentioned it earlier it's like yes when they mention it they're at their their yoga class they're doing this yoga with wine bottles empty wine bottles i'm like what's that i don't recognize it oh that's an empty that's what empty wine bottles look like like (laughs) you know after you throw them out i yeah anyways um but they're doing all these weird exercises. I'm like, what the hell is that? And you're like, that's calisthenics. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, that's what working out in the 50s was. Like, it's nowhere near what it used to be. Like, women didn't want muscle tone. Yeah. They just wanted to be thin. Like, her friend Imogene said, like, we do this so we can eat cheesecake. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they do it because, they, you know, and, and pointing to the divorcees, they do it because they need to find husbands. Yeah. New husbands. But anyways, it's pointed out that divorcees wear black. Um, so she shows up on stage and she's wearing all black. She looks beautiful. She looks confident. And she gives one hell of a show. 
And then she introduces herself and says, I'm Mrs. Maisel. Thank you and good night. And it's just like, yes, she's finally fully embracing herself. This is after her ex-husband Joel comes back and tries to beg her to get back with him and they sleep with each other. And then she realizes that, you know what? I'm kind of liking my new life the way it is. I really don't need a man. And I love that. Um, She did tell him about the bra, too. That was well, funny. Uh, well, and that, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, then the next morning, he sees her without having to be all makeup like she usually yeah. did. For and her. he was like, "Did you always look like this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? It's like she just stopped trying to impress everyone else. She's perfect the way she is. Was living her life for herself and getting up on stage that final set that she did. Uh, the finale of season one and just embracing who she is her using her real name I just I'm like that is the best like character that she could be you know like is is herself and I loved it I can't wait for season two I think this character is so empowering and she's fantastic and, you know, Rachel Brosnahan, I hadn't heard of her before this show. Apparently, she was in, like, House of Cards. Yeah, and, she got nominated for a guest spot on House of Heart Cards. Um, you know, I hadn't really... I, and apparently, she's done a couple of, of little things as well. But this is, like, her first real big... <laughs> um, I mean, she's carrying the show. And she's just great i think this character this character is going to be uh one that i hope sticks around for a while because i love it well especially if they're basing it on joan rivers they have decades of material to work with well i don't think it's truly based on her i think they just used her as an influence kind of kind of like like loosely loosely loosely. based Yeah, yeah because they use her and they definitely use phyllis stiller for sophia lennon and a little bit of uh, Midge. I mean, I'm sure as they're going through the seasons and through the years of Midge's career or whatever they're going to do, I'm sure that they're going to try to influence more female comedians at that time and kind of influence that as, you know, Midge is building a career out of this. So I know I'm, I'm excited. I hope it's definitely a show that I'm going to definitely binge more and more. I just, it's such a beautiful show and it's well written and acting. The cast is phenomenal and it's on Hulu. If you have Hulu, I mean, not Hulu. If you have Amazon, Amazon sorry, why did I say Hulu? Oh, Tony Shalhoub is just, he's fantastic yeah, he's in this too great. as her father. It's, it's, the show has rewatch value too. Like I said, I've this is the second time I've watched it. I totally plan on watching it at least two more times before um, the second season drops later on this year. It's just fantastic. I still laugh at the same jokes. And I pick up on other nuances, too. Like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, realize that happened the first time I watched it. That's that's really funny. Um, And it's just, it's good. It's good. If, If you like feisty raunchy ballsy women watch the show and i think it's so fitting um for where we kind of are right now too like politically where um you know the with the current political climate it's not so nice being a female 
Um, so it's just, it's definitely a great show to watch and just kind of, you know, bask in the glory of being a girl and, you know, just kind of soak up some of that girl power. Yeah, as far as the political stuff, there is, the, you know, it's definitely a parallel, like, oh, Kennedy could never be president. He's too pretty or whatever they say. They talk about how he's too good looking. How he could never be president because he's too good looking. Yeah. But, uh, all right, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up. Um, so I think we'll uh, we'll go ahead, we'll uh, take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll do our wrap-up, we'll give you a little uh, hint and preview as to what's going to come up next week and what you can expect. And, uh, you know, a couple more uh, coming attractions as well, I think. So uh, don't go anywhere. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring Baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life. Tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com. Keep on crunching! <laughs> So that was a nice discussion we had about uh, the magnificent Midge, Maisie, Maisel, Mar- Mariam, Mariam. I don't know where Midge comes from. It's a nickname. It's I, a nickname. I know it's a nickname, but I don't understand where Midge comes from out of Maisel. Like, I know that, you know, Mo calls, it's like when, you know, like, oh, what's your name? Peggy. Oh, what's your real name? Margaret. Like, what? Like, where does that come from? Like, you know, Marge, Margaret. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. You know, but like it's it's one of those weird things. I just don't just get don't it. Don't question it. I'm just gonna question it. everything. You know, Barbie, as in the Barbie doll, has a friend named Midge. I used to have one, and she was fantastic. And in England, they call the Midge the vagina. That's Minge. Oh, Minge. Sorry. <laughs> 
Close. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Minge. Minge is vagina in Ginger Minge. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Oh, oh my god. How do you not how do you watch drag shows and not know that? There is a drag queen and her name is Ginger, Ginger Minge. Minge. I knew that's yeah. exactly what you were thinking of. I I didn't I just thought Minge was just something that she made up. No. So when Carson uh Cressley, you know, one of the queer eye for the straight guy oh, guys was on he did some of the uh like guest um judging. judging um he would just be like i am just crazy about the minge oh my yeah. god that's so wrong now yeah see now <laughs> yeah. you now you get it see you're learning you're th- this is like the second thing you've learned today you learned lenny bruce was a real guy and you learned that minge is a uh, british slang for vagina and you know what out there if you're listening to this and you didn't know that you learned that too. And this isn't even the week for science facts. That's going to be my science fact next week. Lenny Bruce was real, and Minge means vagina. So, uh, oh yeah, we are definitely making up for uh, the Kirby episode. <laughs> oh my God. No, I was going to, I was, I was trying to say, like, um, before Nicole sidetracked us, oh my God, Nicole, how dare you sidetrack us on this show? We are always 100% right on target. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, ADD? What? Yeah, exactly. We are Luke Skywalker and the Death Star. That's what we are. So this was an awesome show. Like We watched, what, seven episodes on Sunday, and we watched the final episode on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's a really good show. It's great acting. Um, like the situations are good. Like there's a, a a big, you know, roller coaster of, you know, emotions. It's like, well, we're not friends. We're business partners, and well, we don't have any more business, so we don't need to see each other and talk to each other anymore because we just have a business relationship. It's it's really well done. The characters play really well off of each other. Um, there's a lot of cool like '50s stuff. Although I. Uh, there is a part where Alex Borstein calls somebody a nerd or the, like nerd alert or something, and it's like, did they? Use, I I mean I don't know, but like I've watched TV shows from the fifties, and I don't ever recall anyone being called a nerd. So I don't. They might have taken a little bit of a liberty with there, but uh, I mean, if they did it in the sixties, like I've heard like the term nerd being dropped around in the sixties, maybe. 1958 is not the 60s. No, I understand that. Maybe like it was. Maybe they're trying to say she is the one who started the word nerd. How about that? Nerd. Nerd. That was obnoxious. Well, then you've but clearly never watched what culture because that's what Ben from what culture does. Before we talk about next week's episode, I just want to say if you really enjoy the show and really enjoy our podcast, leave us a five star review on iTunes. Promoter. We have seven. Um, anyways, um, you know, share stuff with other people. Promote us. We'll help promote you. Like, that's all we're about is promoting one another. Like, make happy people do happy things and promote positive stuff. 2018, do sh- good shit even more. Yeah, and speaking of 2018, do good shit. We still have our fundraiser going on. Uh, the Prizes, that's what they're called. Prizes have been posted. So have a look at those. Send us your pictures of you doing some good stuff. Let's start the year off in a good way. Let karma, you know, do some good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. 
Karmic Retribution. Uh, I mean, I know that karma can only be uh, portioned out by the cosmos, but, uh, you know, if you're looking to get some uh, karmic portions, then, uh, you know, look no further than uh, doing charity. You can be good doozers, like I tell my kitties. I'm like, okay, guys, be good doozers. Yeah. <laughs> be a good doozer, you know, like the little doozers from Fraggle Rock. Yeah. The doozers. All right. So next week... What the hell are we doing? Oh, we're doing that guy, Bobby something. We're doing what guy? Some guy named Bobby. Nicole, what are we doing next week? We are going to talk about um, Baby from Baby Driver, a film that came out in 2017 by the great Edgar Wright. This is our third film that we're talking, our third character from the Edgar Wright um, filmology. We talked about uh, Sean from Shaun of the Dead and Nicholas Angel from... Hot Fuzz, and this is our third character that we're talking from his art of work. I need a nap because I almost called him Edgar Renteria, and <laughs> Edgar Renteria was the guy who made the last out in the 2004 World Series and then went to the Red Sox the following year, and he was garbage, and we traded him to the uh, Braves. I think that's correct. Yeah, Wolfie, so- that, that sounds about right, right? The uh, <laughs> Edgar Renteria thing? Yeah, I think it was the Braves. Yeah, because he committed like 26 errors because he was just so bad but uh but I think, stay tuned because you never know maybe edgar wright will send us something i know i sent him a message that we were uh covering the character and i was really hoping he would uh i, I did it on the the twitter the and i was really hoping that he would get back to us he hasn't yet but uh i'm still hopeful him and ray park i'm oh, pretty sure they hang out because at the cool kids club so uh if not um, we will be able to carry the episode uh, even without feedback from Edgar Wright. I'm quite certain. But uh, yeah, that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, Mini Driver next week um, and all her uh, and other driving-related puns, like how Mini Driver should date Parker Posey. Like, see how that works? Like, you can park a car. You can also drive a car. See how that works? That works. Your pun Can is we miles please away just end working. the episode now? This is brutal. <laughs> All right. And on that note, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.